Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi everyone, it's another week and it's another two episodes of Soap from the Box, the ultimate behind-the-scenes television podcast. I'm Lee Salisbury and I directed all of the top soaps for over 10 years. And on this podcast, I want you to get to know some of the biggest stars of TV like I do. Remember, there are two episodes every single Sunday, this series of Soap from the Box. So I will shut up and let you get on with this one. Okay, so my next guest is famous for playing, I mean, famous for so many things, but from 1998 to 2014, she played the first transgender character in a British continuing drama, Hayley Cropper. Welcome to the outstanding Julie Hesmanhow. Hi, Julie. Hello, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. And I always start with a memorable moment. And my memorable moment with you is, I mean, it was all quite a serious time because you were leaving as I left. As I joined in November 2013, I think I filmed the block before your final block. And we had a scene where Hayley wanted to see the cobbles for the last time. And do you remember we had to film David, who played Roy, wheeling you down the cobbles, which was supposed to be this romantic stroll. And do you remember <laughs> it was just impossible to film? I completely remember it, Lee. I completely remember it because it was like, it's one of those writerly things where they just go, you know, and they'll just wheel her down the street and, you know, and she'll look at all the so old buildings. So romantic, and, yeah. and, the, and the actual reality of it is like anybody wheeling a wheelchair down the street, which is like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> The wheelchair was half falling apart. <laughs> it wasn't the most robust of things anyway. But I remember no, that block so much because I was so glad to work with you because we had... Actually, some of my favourite scenes were in that week be- before the sort of final, you know, big yeah. sort of scenes where 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 Hayley passes away. Those scenes with the, the saying goodbye to everyone on the street and especially oh. that stuff in the factory with Carla. I remember so well as doing that stuff together, Lee, and, and how brilliant you were. And, and what a baptism of fire for you to come in and do those scenes, you know, which was... I know, and it really was, because obviously I always say this to people on this, that when you join a soap, you're obviously quite nervous anyway. But then when you find out, because Hayley was one of my favourite characters when I watched it before I joined, so to find out you're doing such a big rock, you're like... But thankfully, obviously, you're so amazing and so lovely because you're always nervous that this amazing actress might not be the nicest person. Oh, God. See, I always get really nervous when people say that because like, there'll be somebody who's bumped into me on the street on a bad day who'll be like, she wasn't so nice that day. Would <laughs> <laughs> you trying to get a train? <laughs> but you said about Carla there, actually. I mean, one of the big things about Hayley, what I loved, was these, you know, the relationship she had. You obviously had, well, you had Carla, Alison King, which was totally an unlikely friendship, wasn't it, those yeah. two? Yeah, and that was and that was the beauty of it, really. And I think that, that that's the beauty of the street sometimes, that you, I think the trouble is in sort of, in, in these times that we're in now, sometimes um, producers and writers and people running shows try and find a formula, you know, that works. And very often it's in the most unexpected places. Yeah. You know, so you would never... You know, me and David, if we'd have had to do the, the, the chemistry tests that they do now and the screen tests and all that, you know, someone else could well have got that part because it, it's something that builds over time. And I think that that relationship between me and Carly in the show took us by surprise as much as anyone else. You know, it started with the big um, factory siege, yes. uh, which was the beginning of all this story, really, when we, we sort of bonded over being um, tied to chairs. Tied up, tied up to chairs, yeah. It's one of my favourite oh, yeah. stories just of all time. Just how normal friendship, just how normal friendship starts. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's how I met all my best friends in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Get the tape to a chair. In a liquor factory on a chair. 
but also it was just it be, be, with me and Ali as well you know that sort of concentrated time working together and making it almost like a little mini film which you do sometimes when you have these big storylines really cemented our friendship in real life and we just loved working together so so yeah occasionally you know, because Ali has got like a huge fan base you know she has all these like fantastic fan girls who who post things on twitter all the time and and post like um you know peter peter and carla films and and carla and Haley yeah, films. Yeah, no, a lot of them listen to the show and they're they're amazing i mean they're the, gorgeous the work they put in i know i know i know and i love it i love it when they pop up on my uh twitter feed sometimes and it's always really emotional thing you know seeing these little scenes that that You've almost forgotten about because often they pick up on the the smallest things, just little looks between us and little sort of handholds that we put in. And um, and one of my favourite scenes was sort of you know when Carla comes to Haley's flat just as she's as she's dying and lies on the bed with her, and they have this beautiful scene yeah. of kind of like of nothingness really, which is obviously something that Corey has always done so well when scenes aren't necessarily about plot but are about just relationships. Exactly. I think that is the big difference with Corey because I was quite shocked because all the scenes are much longer than the other soaps. But I, it's kind of, I watched actually, I was watching some old Christmas um, episodes and Hilda Ogden's exit was in the pub. And I was astounded actually. The scene was about 10 minutes long. Yeah. And you just think, oh, I wish it kind of it would go back to that a bit as well. You know how everything kind of is story led now. And just all the characters are in the pub. And I think. Corey's amazing. You've got so many people, haven't you, that are just incredible. I mean, what was when you joined, had you been a fan? Were there people that you were like, oh my God, I'm going to work with them? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a northerner. I'm from Lancashire. So, so it's part of my DNA is Corey. I always talk about that when, when, um, when I was little, we had a cat called Frisbee. Um, actually, it was before I was born, this cat. It was kind of a wild cat. And apparently, whenever the Coronation Street theme music came on, this cat would just go absolutely wild and, like, climb <laughs> the curtains and, like, whiz around the room. It was almost like it knew how important that theme tune would be to our family yeah. in the future. And I watched it from being a really little girl. I mean, um, doing the, um, the little documentary uh, with ITV recently, which is all about, you know, 60 years of Corey, I... Uh, they were showing me lots of clips and and there's things, you know, from the mid-70s that I remember it as clear as anything like um, Ernest Bishop getting shot in the factory, which then was absolutely sensational. You know what I mean? That was just kind of like yeah. part of the course on the street now. That's just, a, you know, average Wednesday yeah, night. That's, that's, that's just a normal Tuesday now. <laughs> that really is. But then it was like huge news and, and I remember that and... And so, yeah, yeah, it's it's always been part of my life. And, um, and what did your family think when you got the job? Well, saying that it was always part of the family's life. Were they? Was it the job that they were? I mean, in my family, even when I started directing it, could not believe it. Oh yeah, I mean, they absolutely they were over the moon. I mean, even when I had the audition, to be honestly, they were just over the moon with that because I, I'd left drama school in 91 and I'd had a I'd sort of run a little theatre company in London and I'd done a lot of, you know quite a lot of fringe and I'd just started to get bits and bobs of telly over the years but you know but I wasn't I wasn't doing hugely well at all and when I got the call for Corey it, it almost felt like this like huge relief that I'd just got through the door almost because yeah as any actor from the north of England will tell you you know it doesn't matter what you do I could have been playing Lady Macbeth at the National you know but <laughs> whatever you're doing people will always say to you in the street but when are we going to see you on curry living on value pies at that point <laughs> <laughs> even if you're in the theater absolutely absolutely and you know and so people yeah they're not interested you know well, i'm actually doing this like really interesting play uh, yeah. about yeah. um about the mothers of the disappeared in argentina and they're like okay so uh <laughs> any news from curry yet? <laughs> yes, yeah i read that you actually said that People actually think you're kind of retired now you've left. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've literally never been busier. I, I haven't stopped working since I've left. You since know, you I, left, yeah. I, uh, but, yeah, constantly. I mean, the retirement questions luckily have abated a little bit, but I do get <laughs> at least once a week. So are you still doing your acting with a sort of like slightly... <laughs> 
I feel a slightly sort of like sympathetic tilt of the head. I know. Oh, look, there she is. I know. She's doing so well. I know. And it's, it's really hard. hard. It's really hard. It's a real lesson in ego because, you know, you, the temptation just to be like, and I do, you know, I'm just like, actually, I've been quite busy. I've just like, uh, yeah, yeah, you might have, you, you might have seen the word this year and I'm just uh, filming something in Cardiff at the moment. And it's like, <laughs> but, you know, it's because of the, the absolute um, – the amount of time that you you share with people in the living rooms when you're in something like Corrie or or EastEnders or Emmerdale or any of them, you know, you you can't do that no matter how busy you are, unless you're like you know someone like Olivia, you know, you you just you, you just disappear out of their living rooms just for a few weeks and they think that's it. So, but um, but yeah, yeah, you know that that's absolutely part of the lesson that you learn. We're, oh, we're really show like that. I mean, people say that your life changes overnight. I mean, especially for youngsters, but I think it does for anyone when you, I mean, Denise Welsh told me, you know, like she went to a Michael Jackson concert and suddenly she realised this huge applause was happening as she walked in because you suddenly, um, like you said, you suddenly go from not being recognised on the street to everyone knows you on shows like that, don't they? And they feel they know you. And especially back then, I think, especially, you know, because because now now you're competing with a lot of television, you know, and, and I think it takes a little bit longer to get into, like, the sort of collective consciousness of the nation, really, you know, because people aren't watching it quite as regularly, constantly, you know, apart from, you know, the hardcore fans of, of which I count myself. Um, yes. But, yeah, I think that uh, back then in particular, I remember – being very, very nervous after the first episodes went out of like, you know, what would happen? I suddenly imagined that, you know, I'd have journalists outside my house, you know, waiting yeah. to catch me out or whatever. And, and that doesn't happen. But but I remember very clearly, I think it was, I hadn't been on telly for, for very long. It probably only a couple of weeks. And I went with my mum to Dublin Um for a little trip, for a little long weekend away, you know, suddenly for the first time in my life, I had a bit of money in my account. I treat my mum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we still stayed in like you know, little bed and breakfast. You know, we, we weren't we weren't like fancying around at all. But but we went there, and I, as soon as I've got onto the streets, because you know, Irish people love Corrie. You know, I don't know if that's not too yes. much of a generalisation, oh, yeah. but it is big there. And I remember sort of getting out of the airport and getting the bus to the city centre and then we were walking along and a bus driver sort of like screeching to a halt beside me and being like, Healy, Healy, and we just been jumping out of my skin because back then in in England, people hadn't sort of started to notice me, especially because I look quite different, you know, from yeah. because of my wig and everything. Uh, so that was my first experience of it. It was like, wow, the Irish are all over it. They were there, their eyes... And they wouldn't expect me to be on the streets of Dublin necessarily, but but I got more recognised that week than I had, you know, than I did probably in the first six months um, in England. So so that what was a little bit... Think? What was it like for your mum suddenly being with you and everyone kind of wanting a piece of you? Oh, she loved it. She absolutely did she loved it. She really did love it. And, I mean, the, the thing with... The thing with me getting the part on Corrie, going back to what we were saying before, is that um, I, for me... It was an absolute dream come true, and not just because they're doing this show that that I'd loved for all of my life and that was so important to my family, but also because of uh, the character and because of what it meant. Now, I've talked about this at length before, and I'm sure there's nobody listening who hasn't heard me bang on about this before. That that actually, you know, the 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 character was brought in as a little bit of a joke. That that Roy, they were looking for storylines for Roy. You'd become quite sort of established as a character that people really loved back then. After he'd been in it a few years, and uh, they wanted to send him on a series of um, of dates, all of them disastrous, until perhaps he found the person that he was meant to be with. They hadn't decided who that would be, and I was just going to be the first of all these disastrous dates, you know, that he would fall for me, I would fall for him, and the denouement, the sort of, you know, the kind of, like, big reveal would be that I was transgender and that he would run a map and that, you know, I would then disappear. Now, I didn't know that. Thank goodness I didn't know that. <laughs> I, for me, I was just like, because I'd not only been brought up on Corrie, I'd also been brought up on very issue-led telly, like, you know, Boys from the Black stuff, but also things like, you know, Brookside that had been, you know, very, very forward-thinking and yeah. bringing issues to the nation, you know, and, uh, and breaking down barriers, EastEnders too. Corrie hadn't really done very much of that, really. And so for me, 
to be able to play this role, which I immediately felt might uh, make a little bit of a difference. You know, I was a sort of earnest and right on back then as I am now. And I was just thinking, well, this this, this could be something, could you know. This, something. Yeah. this is like sort of my Colin in EastEnders moment, you know, where I can sort of break down a few barriers and, and people can get to know somebody who has these issues attached to them. And, and hopefully it'll expand people's understanding of something. So I took it very, very seriously from the moment in my audition that I was told, you know, that Hayley was going to be transgender. So I went out and found out everything that I could about it whilst keeping, you know, confidentiality. Um, and, and that was a thrill for me. You know, that was always my wish to 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 play a character that might have that kind of impact. You know, it's totally at odds at what the producers of the show were sort of planning yeah, at they the time. A quick story. Well, it's amazing, though, and she did because, I mean, just some research I did, Haley's noted as one of the most important, famous LGB, I mean, Haley, this is, LGBT people in LGBT's History Month website, which is incredible. You become an activist for trans rights groups, yeah. becoming the first friend of the campaign group Transmedia Watch. I mean, what's your view? Because there's obviously that argument as well that transgender people should play transgender people, which is becoming more of a thing. But I mean, you can't deny that what you did was incredible. I mean, what's your view on that about people you know, real transgender people in the industry. Oh, well, I'm, I mean, I feel really clear about this, actually. And, and I always kind of have in that when I got offered the role in 1997, it was a very different world. You know, there, yes, were, there, totally. there was no trans representation, you know, for, for me to even find out the most basic things about the trans community and about people going through transition, people, you know, who had, um, you know, gender dis, uh, dysmorphia, whatever, you know, I had to go to sort of a radical bookshop in Manchester um, to read up about that. You know, there, there was there was nothing out there. It wasn't mainstream at all, no. No, it really wasn't. And also the sort of the the representation of them in the media, if it if there ever was any, was was really really crass. Um, yeah. Was you know made trans people very much a butt of the joke, and uh, yeah, it was it it was a very very different world. I mean, I, I'm not saying for one moment that things are easy or good for trans people now because that is clearly not the case. But but back then there was a very different attitude towards it, and I'd like to think that that Haley was part of of that perhaps turning around, a small part of that turning around. Oh, I think a big part, way. though, I think a big part, Julie, because you think, especially in Coronation Street, I mean, with a very much older audience as yeah. well, you know, it's very groundbreaking, I think, that, you know, to be accepted by, I think it opened a, new, a different generation's eyes to things like this as I well. I think it did because it because it puts a human face to an issue that people find frightening and yes. uh, unknown. Yeah. And so for, and you know, and, and again, you know, when I got the part, you know, my mum and dad were really afraid about it. You know, my, my, my dad was like, oh, Jew, oh, why can't you just play something normal? <laughs> you know, because he didn't, he didn't want me to get attacked for it. He didn't want me to get a lot of flack for it. You know, I I was up for that. And straight away, and quite rightly, there were people uh, from the trans community. There was a, a brilliant organisation called Press for Change. You were a, a, a transgender pressure group um, full of absolutely wonderful people. And they were the first to speak out against me being cast in that role for exactly those reasons, saying that, you know, that this this role should be played by um, a trans actor, you know, that this uh, that it's not right that a cisgender person should be playing it when there are trans actors out there who could play this, you know, from their own experience. And whilst I completely understood that argument, I felt really, really clear that at that moment it would have been unbearable pressure for a trans actor. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. the press was so unregulated in the way they spoke about trans issues then. And it was it would the, the the sort of prurience and the the intrusion into that person's life would have been enormous, and the support just couldn't have been there because nobody knew how to support people in 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 real ways in the industry. So for me, all I could do was say, I understand your concerns and your issues around me playing this part, but what I can do is I can promise you that I am an ally and that I will yeah. remain an ally throughout and that I will play this with as much humanity and sensitivity and 
an education as, as I possibly can. And I will do my best to represent an, you know, an unrepresentable group of people because I mean, all groups yeah. of people are. And I, do, and I do think in a way actors, I mean, that is acting as well. I mean, being not, you know, not because, you know, you gay men, you know, there's a lot of straight actors that play gay men. I mean, you have to sometimes play murderers or, you know, you have to obviously take on parts, don't well, you? Well, that's true. That's true. But I now feel... And I, and I was really clear about this when I left Coronation Street. I am absolutely 100% behind campaigns to cast people with disabilities um, in disabled roles, um, to cast trans people as as trans characters. You know, and you have to you have to dig a bit deeper. You have to look a bit harder. But those people are out there. Are there? Yeah. And EastEnders and Emmerdale have both done it actually. Yeah. So at least. Times of movie and following and Holly the wedding Oaks and Hollyoaks too and Hollyoaks yeah. and Hollyoaks yeah so which is great and following the wedding of Hayley and Roy in 1999 the Labour government actually announced that a parliamentary working group was being created to assess how the United Kingdom could grant trans people the legal rights they fought decades for so it did have such a profound effect which is amazing all credit to you the writers Corey incredible. Yeah, well, there was one of those magical things. Again, it was one of those things that you can't legislate for and you can't plan for, really. It was just, it, you know, it was an accidental sort of changing of views, really. And and you know you've nailed it. And again, I've said this loads of times, Lee, but, you know, when when I'm in Accrington Asda and they were like, <laughs> old ladies coming up to me and saying, when are you and Roy getting married then? You know, it's really early like, days. You know you've nailed it, yeah. Yeah, and I'm saying, well, we can't. You know, it's against the law. And then being outraged by that. You, <laughs> you know, you've really done something, you know. <laughs> I love that. Accrington Asda is the state, that's the that's the benchmark of when things are made. Well, it really was, because, they, you know, a, a few months previously, they would have, like, that issue would have been, like, a bit icky and a bit scary yeah, for them. Totally. But they just saw the love story. They just, they just saw two people who were meant to be together and that... Things shouldn't be standing in their way, and that's a beautiful thing. And that and that is what art is. But that is particularly what soaps and continuing dramas do the best. Totally. I think I always say this because they're in people's, you know, they're in their homes every night. Yeah. It's got the most profound effect on people because no matter what part you do as well, it's because you're in people's lives every night. That's why they get so attached to you. You're almost part of their extended family. Of course you are. And what and what is prejudice? It's about prejudging someone. It's about not knowing someone so having a, a whole set of expectations and and thoughts and ideas about them that is prejudice you know and then when you get to know them and like them perhaps and are rooting for them then then those like boundaries fall down so so it was so it was just an amazing thing for me to play that that part and for it to become you know and, and use this word advisedly you know normalized you know it was just yes, like totally. you know there was a lot of storylines about it early on a, a flurry of that and it would now and again sort of raise its head over the years but but generally you know she was somebody that people loved and who you know essentially royal loved that was the, the main thing you know and we have to talk about David because David obviously what an incredible actor I mean what I love about David is he couldn't be more different than Roy as well um <laughs> coming up you know arriving on his motorbike <laughs> I know he's 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 a he's a fantastic actor, and I feel so lucky. I mean, everyone was very jealous of me being able to work so yes. closely with David over the years. He, he, you know, is it, is it is it is it great when that chemistry, like you said, it's not like you have to go to a screen test it; it becomes natural. But you must know when it's happening. Do you know what I mean? And feel that chemistry. It's almost like a first date, I suppose. Yeah, it really it really is, and it is like a marriage as well. You know, and. It, it it really was from the from the second we both met each other because he'd been really really nervous about the storyline as well because you know he was always and remains very protective over Roy and yeah. about who he is you know and about how he's written and how he presents because you know in his his in inverted commas oddness you know in his sort of slightly being out of step with the rest of the world you know his slight otherness. He he has this huge wisdom and compassion, and he didn't want him to be somebody that people would would be the butt of people's jokes, you know. So oh, when he yeah. heard about Haley coming in, he was really nervous about it. But as soon as we met and we started to do scenes together, and you know, he's endlessly inventive, is David. He always wants to put a little bit of business in, a little bit of extra, you know. It's like the actors that that really survive on the street and who are wonderful to work with 
for people who never stop being inventive with it, who don't just phone it in. You know, they're always wanting to like be playful with a scene or whatever. And and we never lost that, you know. We yeah, yeah. we had our little things like um we'd walk down the street together and he would always go on the outside, you know, to protect me from the traffic, you know, in a very gentlemanly oh, way. So that. we'd often like do scenes where we'd be walking in the street and we'd just almost do like a little choreographed dance where he would we'd we turn a corner and then he would like pass by me to stand on the other side so that oh. and we always did that, you know. And it's in those little details, like he always had It is those details. I remember he always had that little shopping bag and it always reminded me reminded me of my granddad actually because my granddad had the same kind of shopping bag yeah yeah and I, and which had been his mum's the effort that actors go to which I so admire when you know Jean Brown would know which tea set to use for which character and I love that you yeah. know because like you said that makes people survive because people really do take that on board oh they really do and you see and constantly with him he always had like one of his uh one of his collars underneath his jumper and one yeah, taking out yeah. and costume would constantly come out and like try and flick the funny, other one out. Yeah. and he'd be like no it's a character thing it's a character thing and he'd have little things like um you know he had this little purse that well his, the, the shopping bag was his mum's um with a key attached to it in, on a string inside and that was the key oh. to his mum's house in Leicester and uh and then he wanted he said to me I want one of those those purses that that old men have sometimes where you you shake you change to the bottom of it you know it's like almost like a mouth opening and I was like my dad's got one of those so he then started to use my dad's little uh shaky and then he said to me one day oh what I want is one of those pound coin dispensers it's like a little cube (laughs) and I said my dad's got one of those so you so I'm one of my dad that's all he had little bits of his mum and my dad your poor dad your poor dad lost all of his exactly just rattling me loose change for years and you obviously had the red coat i mean Haley's known for that which is actually in a museum now isn't it yeah oh it was so cool. <laughs> because i felt the weight of responsibility of having that course after i left because, yeah. because i asked to take it and i had an idea to sort of auction it for charity and that never came off it never sort of we never managed to get the right amount of money or the right place for it but not for for one to try in so it was just under my bed in a bag for for ages and ages and then the um the people's history museum in manchester which is a fantastic museum um got in touch with me and they were doing a big lgbtq exhibition and they wanted to exhibit Haley's courts as <laughs> as part of the tea in lgbtq brilliant and uh, and so i gave it to them and they and they washed it i was really scared that it would fall to pieces if it got washed it was like <laughs> they washed it and they ironed it and steamed it and it was in this glass case in this exhibition it was so thrilling for me That's and amazing. now it's part of the permanent queer exhibition at the people's history museum it's in the it's in the sort of like um the permanent sort of storage to to be brought out whenever there's a, there's anything LGBTQ goes on. So so for me it was the absolute perfect thing for for it to go there. That is brilliant. Now I'm going to give you a quick quiz, Julie, Ooh. before we move off of Corey. As if you can remember, Haley, I found something. So Haley started as a shy shop supervisor at which store? Furman's Freezes. Yes. Oh God, you're good. And that was with. Amanda Barry, wasn't it, who played Alma Baldwin? Well, that's, that's how I came in. That's how I came in. Is yeah. that, that I was I was uh, working with Curly, and and I had a little bit of a crush on um, Alma, and and I was so I was a bit of a sort of like slightly creepy character at first because I kept giving her <laughs> gifts. I, I, like I remember I sketched her and gave her this sketch I'd done of her, and she was a little bit freaked out. A little bit freaked out. And then she tried to set me up with Curly. And then Roy ended up coming to this dinner party and we just got on like a house on fire talking about trains and stuff and he and he walked me home and that was the beginning of of the love affair, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was Alma who accidentally put us together. But yes, Furman's freezes, fresh calls as it was, turned into Furman's Freezes. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean obviously Amanda's one of the legends of Corrie. That's I mean, did you go in I mean I think Corrie still remains what I love about it is for its female characters it's always had the strongest strongest female yeah. ensemble hasn't it which is incredible yes. do, do you do you feel the pressure going in as a fit you know to uh, amongst these legends because you've obviously still got Sally there you've got Barbara there yeah. um Annie Kirkbride was there I mean it's it's do, oh. do you feel like you're entering this kind of almost museum of amazing people well Yes, in one way, in that when when you when you go in on your first day, 
It is They're extraordinary. Like, oh. And I never lost and I always, that. Sorry to interrupt you, Julia. I think what's interesting, because people listening probably don't realise that as an actor, you would still get nervous going into a new show, meeting other kind of famous people, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, God, yeah, and still do, still do. I mean, when I did Broadchurch, oh, and I, and I was we'll like with me, like yeah. Olivia and David, and I was just like, <laughs> well, we did a photo shoot for that. And, you know, there was Lenny Henry, David, Jodie Whittaker, there was Olivia, and, it, uh, uh, oh, I mean, there were so many, so many big names in that episode, and we all had to stand sort of like on the pier, like with the iconic cliffs behind us, and... It felt like being in Madame Tussauds. I can't believe I'm here. Oh, honestly, I, th- I felt like I was in Madame Tussauds. I couldn't, but actually, but I was just like, I was like, this is just ridiculous. And it's exactly the same as when I went into to Corrie. It was like being in that green room on the first day. It, it was, it's just mind blowing, and I never lost that. In fact, me and David used to always talk about it as being we'd have what we called a Corrie moment. And this is years and years into us both being there. There'd be certain times when we'd just be in the Rovers and there'd just be a little bit of a lull between takes or whatever, and we'd look around and we'd be aware that we were at the Rovers bar and, you know, and it was always when, like, the sort of the old timers were in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, sort of, like, Ken yeah. and Rita and Blanche and, and we'd just look around and I'd say, oh, I'm having a curry moment. And we'd know it what each other meant because it was just one of those moments where suddenly you'd just be like, what the hell am I doing here? How have I yeah. got here? And I know. You don't go in in any way thinking that you'll be part of that sort of lexicon at all. You you, you go in thinking, especially playing a character like Haley, who was very shy. I mean, if there was a sort of, um, if there was a spectrum that Haley was on, I suppose it would be the, the, the Mavis Emily, spectrum, yes. but, but certainly not the sort of like, you know, the big matriarchs. But I think she became a little bit of a matriarch as she went on. Oh, she did, did mess with yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think you're right. You never get rid of Like when I used to camera script in the pub, I'd suddenly have that moment of sat there suddenly going, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. Oh, yeah. And that never goes, does it? No. I remember my other memorable moment with you is that I forgot about until just this second is, do you remember, we wouldn't have known each other then, but I came up with the EastEnders guys. And we did East Street for Children in Need. I certainly do remember that, yeah. Do you remember? It was brilliant. And I just remember, because then I, some Corrie guys came down to EastEnders. And what I remember loving is that the Corrie people were so nervous going to EastEnders. And the EastEnders people were absolutely petrified coming onto the cobbles. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah, yeah. And that must be, was that weird for you, kind of suddenly? Because I always think the soap awards are so weird, aren't they, the first oh, year yeah. you go? Because and I continue to watch, you know, I, I, I love EastEnders, you know. I mean, there was never any, you know, there's always this idea that we're all at war with each other you know it's kind of I can tell you that I was as thrilled meeting like Jesse Wallace <laughs> so yes, I was meeting yeah, yeah. like anybody anybody from Hollywood you know um, and I would take my mum to the soap awards you know I, I took her a couple of times I think and, and we'd have to go and seek out characters from other soaps that she loved yes, as well you know? hello. yeah but yeah oh no no it was always wonderful to get together with that lot and uh and uh, and yeah, and we all know it, it's a bit of a weird club being in a soap. You all know what it's like. You all know how uh, intense it is, and yeah. how how much of a family it is, and and how fast it is. And it's only when you've been in a soap that you just you really realise that. You know, you, you, having left, the hardest thing for me doing dramas that you know that aren't continuing dramas now is how, how slow everything is how slow it is I know when I left and did my first drama outside I was like oh my god we're still on the same scene yeah, yeah. and it's really <laughs> really hard because you're used to just delivering it you know you just yeah, have to yeah. you have to come in completely prepared and you get like two takes maximum and if you if you do three takes you're really messing it up you know so and that's an interesting question actually so what would you say I mean you know what's what's because a lot of people would go I mean, what's nice about, you know, other dramas that you might get a, read, a table read, then you have run-throughs, rehearsals, and then you record, same as in theatre. But I kind of loved the instantness of soap. You know, like if you had a big emotional scene and you all kind of went for it and you could get it in one, I kind of feel like that magic is quite hard to capture when you film it eight times. 100%. It's a real... It's a real gift if you can, actually. I'm, I'm actually working with a couple of actors. I'm down in Cardiff filming um, uh, a series for next year at the moment, and I'm working with a couple of actors who absolutely can do that, who can over and over again just, just access it and do it. But it is, it, it's a really hard skill to have. And 
And I think what people don't realise, and speaking to other people in the industry who haven't done continuing dramas, you realise this, is just, just how unbelievably talented everybody is. I mean, the cast and crew, in order to be able to produce that level of stuff with no help at all. When you're doing a drama, you've got, you know, nice lighting, you have music yes, yeah. building yeah. under the emotional moments to kind of like crank it up. You've got all yeah. sorts of things on your side. And in soap, it literally is. It's like theatre in a way. It's like what you it see is, is what yeah. you get. It's the first instance of it. So, so it's very it's very real. You know, I'm watching like Jane Danson doing incredible scenes oh, this week. Recently. It was incredible. And like you said, I, I watch those things knowing kind of, you know, Jane coming in day after day, how emotionally draining yeah. that is, but also how intense it is. And when she just know- does it. And she just does it. And she does it with absolute conviction and integrity. And with after all the years that Jane's been in that show, still absolutely nailing it, doing in, doing the work. And also, because I know Jane, really knowing that she's representing people. Again, you know, people who've been through things similar to her. She has a responsibility to to mums who have been through something similar, to anybody who's lost anyone, especially anyone who's lost a child, to, to, to play that with, you know, utter integrity and truth. And she does it. And she and and she's never failed, Aunt Jane. You know, she's and, no. and I think the trouble with Jane is is that she makes it look too easy. So people she don't. Does. Yeah. So she doesn't often get the credit she she needs. I don't think she's ever won an award. I mean, you know, not that that matters in any way, shape, or form. But but you know, she's she's somebody who just produces the goods in in a really beautiful way, and that doesn't often get recognised because she does. She just makes it look too easy, too truthful. Well, I think as well, Jane. What I love about Jane, she keeps herself to herself because I think nowadays there's the fame thing as well, and Jane doesn't enter into you know, all of doing whatever press and whatever. She just gets on with the job, which I love. You know, she just, she's in Corrie, but she gets on with the job and just delivers these knockout performances, yeah. but without really wanting the praise. I mean, you left, as we leave Corrie, because we'll just talk briefly about your other things, you left obviously with a massive controversial kind of important story as well, the right to die story, yeah. which again, you saying that about Jane, you must have felt an amazing sense of responsibility to do that because hugely kind of controversial story. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it and it and it was controversial, you know. And, and again, you know, I was asked to give my opinion on those issues as an actor, you know, over and over during that time. But but for me, it's about starting conversations. Always, it's yeah. not it's not about yeah. it's not about telling people what to think. And I think this what is what the a, answer is is just to open yeah, it up. Yeah, and I think there's a real, I think that's a real misunderstanding about things. You know, if ever there's anything topical or issue based in anything I feel like people get very angsty about it and start to think that they're being told what to think or being preached to in some ways and it's not it's just a way of people starting a conversation you might not agree with it at all you know within the cast and crew around that storyline there were many differing points of view I completely understand that for people with disabilities and profound disabilities the right to die issue is really problematic you know it because it's a when is a life not worth living you know that question is like massive and philosophical and and beyond anything that you should be dealing with really you know in a in half an hour episode of Coronation Street, but but it's just to start that conversation because exactly for people at home when I did the cot death on Emmerdale yeah um I mean, we just got so many amazing letters and mainly the, the letters were saying, you know, you enabled my husband and me haven't talked about it. And watching the episode, we spoke, you know, there was one just amazing letter. We spoke till four o'clock in the morning and just yeah. hugged for the first time. And that's what's important. You go, well, we, at least we help start conversations. Because- absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and what's what's less talked about about my leaving story, really, is that, that Haley had pancreatic cancer and that, Around that, you know, pancreatic cancer still remains, you know, hugely underfunded and yes. uh, undiagnosed cancer that, that has got a, a huge um, rate of people dying from it. And during the story, a, a wonderful woman called Maggie Watts got in touch with me because she'd started a petition to try and get a debate in Parliament about, you know, better understanding and earlier diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. I've lost her husband, Kev, to it. 
And I got behind that petition and, and um, as did, you know, quite a few people on the street. And just at the point when we were, it, they were trying to get to 100,000 signatures was when you can get a, a debate in Parliament. You know, it, it was literally the, the 11th hour. We got it to 100,000 and we did. Oh. And I went down with this Parliament to, to experience that debate. And again, around that, I think there was a lot more conversation about pancreatic cancer, which which will help people. It just can't not yeah. do, you know. Totally. And what I love, just as we finish, Corrie, so those were your final scenes. Very sad. The nature was mourning. But when it aired on the 22nd of January, it was the night you won the National TV Award for Best Dramatic Performance in a Serial Drama. And you shared it with David. Yes. Yeah. Which was, I mean, that must have been for kind of, I mean, that as we said, awards don't really matter. Um, but it must have been a bit of nice icing on the cake as your final scenes there to win that that night. Oh, it was it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah, awards don't matter, but I mean, they're really, really nice when you get them. I mean, look at, you know, and I love those dudes, you know, it's kind of, I've always loved the soap awards, you know. I think I think it's quite cool to pretend that you don't, you know, and I don't think yes, some people yeah. really don't, but... I, well, I think the only one at the Sable Awards is sexist male and female, which I think must be the worst award to win. And I remember one person, I won't name who it was, who did a kind of really serious speech <laughs> taking his mum and his dad. And you think, oh, God. <laughs> the good genes. And, and, yes. and it's always so rubbish as well because it's like, you know, what sexiness is, you know. And, I know, and, yeah. I know, I know. I mean, when we, when we had lovely Michelle Keegan in the cast, I mean, she just walked that every year, didn't she? I know, I know. And, and, and the fact that she's an absolutely but I was going to say to you just serial what I think is what you know you won best serial drama performance I just think it should be one performance award shouldn't it well I don't understand why soap actors are classed differently yeah I know I know I suppose I mean that yeah that conversation goes on really and and there's never been anyone I don't think from a soap gone into sort of the best one, actor or actress one, at the BAFTAs or anything like that. I mean I can see why they are different in a way I suppose I just think I really champion soap actors because there is still that quite kind of snobbery in some quarters about it and you just think oh. if you can do a soap my god you can do anything. I, they, they, they really really is still a lot of snobbery about it and and I've, I've seen it in all quarters and 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 it's frustrating you know and and the snobby about the writing as well and and I yeah. just go oh my god you have no idea how hard it is to get that much story and keep those characters real and vibrant but also the amount of exposition that you have to sort of sneak yeah. in you've got like you've got 60 years of exposition sometimes to get I into know. a scene you know to keep a show this big like how many series kind of falls her after three series. Yeah. This thing over 60 years. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And the writing has remained, you know, the heart of the show. It's a writer-led show, is Corrie. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I have to I have to say to you as disclaimer that my husband writes Corey now, and, and he he joined the writing team after I left. So I, you I know, obviously I'm a big I'm a big fan of the writers and for very personal yes. reasons. But there's one writer I particularly love. Julie says <laughs> yes, 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 yes. The work of Ian Kershaw is like, but I am, yeah. but I am really, really proud of him because you know the 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 big racism episode that Corey did recently. You know, with um, oh, that was his, was it? Oh, yeah, amazing. it was, and and he. He worked so hard on that, you know, and he was very aware as, a, as you know, a white man that, that he had to represent um, those characters on the street, you know, with, with great integrity. And he spoke yeah, to all the actors yeah. involved and, you know, he, he kind of co-wrote it with one of the um, storyliners who, who's, who's black because, you know, he knew, you know, it went up to him to go in and sort of like, this is what, this is what it is. But it, again, it was such a conversation starter and, you know, and it was controversial because it was, you know, issue led again and, and, you know, some people didn't like it, but, but he is constantly doing that what what I love about continuing drama, which is is you know breaking down those boundaries and starting conversations, like I say. Yeah, and the writers are the unsung heroes as well, because obviously the cast, full credit to them, get because you're the face of it. But yeah. writing on those things is amazing. Just to end, Corrie, Julie, you're actually what I saw is you're the voice of the even the adverts for the Corrie yeah. Shakespeare. It's like, like you are you you are queen of Corrie there. <laughs> oh, I'm not, no, no, that is definitely not true. I was, re I was really chuffed to be asked. Really. But using the 1960, which is when it started, I'm just going to ask you, so, but using the numbers, one, one of your funniest memories of being on Corrie? 
Oh, is there a funny story you remember or something? Oh, gosh, gosh, right, oh. you're throwing this on me at the last minute, aren't you? I know, sorry, so sorry. many funny memories of being on that street. Um, I, I love the stuff. Really early on, we had some absolutely brilliant stuff like we, that people will barely remember now, where we, we were with Spider and Emily fighting to save the trees on the Red Wreck. Oh, and I do remember that, yeah. sitting there and, like, uh, and climbing trees, and, and there was a bit where me and David had to fall down a hole, so that was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> It's those forgotten bits of it, really. I know, because we've been so serious, actually, because you did serious. But we must remember, Hayley and Roy were absolutely hysterical as well. <laughs> so um, nine, nine from 1960. Can you, I mean, it's quite a big number. Nine of your favourite characters oh ever. Oh, my God, Greek. I knew it was going to be this. <laughs> okay, um, but with, with apologies straight away to anybody I missed, because it just makes you miss me it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love Dev. I loved uh, Becky, Carla. Sean, Fizz, Tyrone, Roy, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go for Leanne and I'm going to go for Deirdre. Oh. Brilliant. Oh, I mean, all classics. I mean, to be honest, oh, you Miss can Karen, say... Oh, Miss Karen, Steve McDonald. Oh, God, oh, God, there's so many. <laughs> oh, no, you could say so many, though. That's what I mean. You'd yeah. need, you could say 1,960. Six words to describe Hayley. Kind, honest, um, compassionate... Strong, loving, motherly. Brilliant. Perfect. And zero, which is quite hard to think of anything to come up for, but if there was nothing left in the world, one thing Hayley would keep? What, an actual physical item? Or a person. Or a bath, Roy. 100%. It's got to be Roy. I know, that's what I thought. It's got <laughs> to be Roy. <laughs> So we'll just quickly talk about life after Corrie because you've done so many amazing things since. I mean, what I thought is you're so brave, but you got you went into two series that were humongous, Happy Valley and Broadchurch. So brave, so brave. <laughs> so brave, so brave. <laughs> I think that must be quite pressured because they've been so successful. It must be quite pressurised joining another series of the same show. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was, it, yeah, it was. In fact, I've joined a lot of shows, actually. You know, most of the shows that I've done, with it, there's only a couple of exceptions where I've been in the original cast, like Cucumber and Maggie Cole, and the one I'm doing at the moment, The Pact. Uh, but, yeah, I, I've joined a lot of shows inside Number 9, Catastrophe, Happy Valley, Broadchurch. And when I got that, I never in a million years thought that I'd get the call for Catastrophe. I was so over the moon for that. Well, she's one of my idols, Sharon Horgan. I think she's oh, incredible. She's... What an incredible writer. Oh, and, and sitting in the read-through for that, what, what a oh. privilege. I, I was crying with laughter, crying with laughter. It's just brilliant. And Broadchurch, when you joined that, I mean, I read that you kind of lived in a gorgeous, you know, you lived in a caravan on the beach, which amazed me. Going to work every day because that place, what I loved about that series is it created that place as a character as well. Yes. You know, the place was part of it. But I mean, and you were phenomenal in that, Julie. It must be such a buzz when you're on a series, when you know it's amazing and there's this real want and desire for it. Is it kind of going to work every day just thinking, I am the luckiest person in the world? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But also, just because we're all human, just also like, oh, what time? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, oh, God, like, oh, God, is it the end of lunchtime already? God. <laughs> <laughs> and how long were you there for? How long did you do that for? I was there. I, I can't remember May. I think May till September, I think I was there. That's pretty normal amount oh, of time. Summer as well, lovely. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and that is, in fact, my husband was um, down out in Cardiff this weekend and we were like cycling down to the bay and stuff. And he said, that's the best thing about your job is these beautiful places that we get to go to and, and sort of like, you know, because they come and visit me, me, him and the daughters come and visit me wherever we are. We haven't done on this job, obviously, but just being... Um, yeah, it's just lovely and, and and just expanding your world, really. Meeting people. Like, I worked with Dawn French this year on them. Um, oh, on which Chloe I was going to say, I'm another one of my idols. Oh, She's me in, too. And I was, I was really nervous was about that. that. I, well, oh, I, was, I, I was dead nervous because I just thought, because I'd grown up watching French and Saunders and Vicar of Dibley and, and, I, and I was worried. I thought, oh, she's not, if she's not what I hope she is. And she was, she exceeded my expectations. I love that woman so much. She's just, 
every bit as kind and funny and smart as you would hope. And um, yeah, and the trouble with Maggie Cole obviously was an original series. So was that there was that kind of a nice feeling doing something where it's kind of like right, there's no one before me. <laughs> yeah, nice yeah, it was. It, it was. I mean, it was funny with Maggie Cole because there's so many of us. It was a real ensemble, you know. So I was very much in and out. You know, I was back up and down from like Cornwall and Devon all the time. So it was it was a lovely show to do, but it didn't feel like. It didn't feel like sort of cucumber, which felt like monumental, you know, and, and cucumber, you know, obviously wasn't as, as critically, as, as audience successful as we thought. Critically, it was. And, um, but that felt like a really special thing. That was obviously Russell T. Davis, the legend. Yeah, but, yeah first thing Denise I did. Black was, Denise Black was on this, on the podcast, and she said actually Queer as Folk at the time wasn't a success at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, but obviously cucumbers become legendary as well. I mean, was that... I think writing, working with a writer like that just must be phenomenal as well. Because obviously, you, well, you would have watched Queer as Folk, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course I did. So, oh, yeah, so, I mean, working with it. I mean, that was, for me, I, I felt I'd been very lucky because I was given the opportunity to sort of lay out my stall after I left Corrie. And part of that was the fact that they'd given me this beautiful leaving story that had lasted months, you know. I mean, people tend to think of... of Haley, in terms of the, the way she arrived on the street and the way she left the, in the street, you know, what people forget is that for years there's a lot of pottering around, you know, there's a lot of me just like picking knickers in the factory and, you know, yes, into exactly, cafe. Yeah, having a tomato juice in the pub. Exactly, exactly. You know, there's, there's, there's so much of that um, as well. And so for me to, to, to come out and absolutely have no idea what was going to happen to me or or if there would be any work and and I was okay with that I was ready to be a working actor again it, and and to do whatever I was able to and the first thing I did was a, a, a quite a sort of controversial and dark play that wasn't everybody's cup of tea at the Royal Exchange in Manchester that's what I was doing you know as my last episode did yeah and um and then I went to the cucumber straight after that which I think you know shocked a lot of people because a lot of curry fans you know may have tuned in and been a bit surprised by the (laughs) but I but I I was really happy about that that was another one for the Asda yes yeah that that, that didn't quite do the same trick it wasn't wasn't quite as uh, a gentle introduction to queer politics as uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I was I was just really really proud of it and it, it just made it 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 felt true to to me and the stuff that I'm interested in to do stuff like that and to go actually yeah. you know this this is the kind of work that I'm interested in doing if I'm able to you know and and I've been very lucky in the opportunities I've been given since you know and and, and I don't say that in a kind of you know I'm so blessed where I, I mean it you no, know no, no, no. but what I love about you is because you do love issue-based stuff and that's what I love because that's the kind of stuff I love and also what I love about you is you're so forward thinking what you do because you're a founding member of the Manchester-based grassroots theatre company called Take back is that still going oh yeah yeah still going strong yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that and that's a brilliant thing you know because I started off as a fringe theatre girl you know that's yeah. how I started and 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 it's been missing in my life and, and and we've sort of fallen into it over the past few years just sort of creating this little community in Manchester of, of sort of actors writers and directors who who you know feel like they've got something to say about the world and and yeah and who want to sort of to be active in in talking about stuff and starting conversations again and so yeah we started that a few years ago and we put on these evenings of scripting and sort of responses to social and political events and 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 that's that's filled a bit of me that has really needed filling for a long time and that that gives me a, a lot of joy and a lot of hope actually and it's, it's nice because I think, like, obviously, you when you were younger, you wanted to do this. I I always find I, I do loads of classes, practice and stuff because I love to get – because when I was young, it's amazing when people take the time for you. So it must be amazing for you to w- see this kind of wealth of new talent arriving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, and it's I feel, and it, I think it's really, really hard um, for emerging talent now, especially, oh, you know, especially so hard, yeah. at the moment with, with COVID. But, but anyway, it is, you know. <laughs> with nothing open, there's nothing being oh, filled, yeah. so difficult. Yeah. And especially for actors, because, you know, as, as yeah. writers and musicians, you can still create and, and, and visual artists, you know, you can still create in your time. And actors really, you know, unless you're an actor, writer, you, you do rely on other people to give you the opportunity to to share your work and your talent. And, and, and I just... 
you know, a lot of, of what I'm trying to do now as a, a public person, I suppose, which necessarily comes with having been in something like Corrie and, and, you know, occasionally being on telly now when I come out of retirement, is to sort of try and, and, and keep talking about opportunities for, for young people from particularly from uh, backgrounds that aren't so privileged, you know, sort of working class backgrounds and and from cultural backgrounds that, that don't often have these opportunities for them. Because for me, everything was laid on for me. I, I, I come from enormous privilege that wasn't from coming from a wealthy family, but coming from a, a, a time when you were sort of state sponsored, you know, so I got a full grant yeah. to go to drama yeah. school yeah. and the maintenance, yeah. school. I got my rent paid as well. It's so much more of a battle and and, and yeah. you've got to have so much more energy to, to hold down the loads of different jobs in order to keep working as an actor and keep your spirits up and keep your hope up. And, and you know, you've just got to find your people. You know, that's one good thing about social media is that you can find your people. I mean, what I love about our job, which I hate about it as well, and any partner I've had has always kind of found it hard is, our kind of job is that job you love so much that it is totally your life. Do you know what I mean? I know loads of people love their careers, but I think so for actors at the moment who are out of work, it's like part of their soul missing. Yeah. Because it's part of their DNA. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a mental, a little bit of a, you can't have a little bit of a mental health crisis, can you? I think there's going to be huge repercussions. Yes, totally. Moving forward, um, and we need to, be ready for that and ready to look after each other and you know when I see the amount of rancor and and you know fighting that goes on on social media now you know it's uh it's worrying because because it feels like the world's getting more divisive just at a time when we just need to be really together yeah yeah and and I don't mean that in a hokey way I mean it in a real way you know really trying to to see when somebody's struggling you know, yes. and, and somebody put something out there, you think, actually, that person doesn't seem very well to me, or, you know, instead of just reacting to it all the time. And, and, well, and I'm hoping what it has brought is a bit more positivity. You know, like, for instance, on social media, one of the podcast people I've spoken to, there was all these comments, and I just said, if you've not got anything nice to say, just don't say it. We don't, The last thing we need at the moment is anyone, you know, with any kind of, just let's be a positive, you know, let's be positive about each other. Yeah. And... I do feel there is a bit of a change in that. And I think it's allowed so many of us to reevaluate things anyway and yeah. what's important in life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And 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 to and to maybe reach out a little bit for for others, a bit of support yeah. and help, you know. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, Julie, it's been I'm gonna end actually with some positive thoughts because Sally Dynever is uh, was my guest for the actual Corrie anniversary. And when I told her I was gonna read you a couple of nice texts I got because I told her I was speaking to you she's put in my text oh can't wait for julie hairs please tell her i love her she's a really beautiful inspirational woman and i'm so proud to call her my friend oh well back at her sally is not only again sally like like jane just just slightly never quite uh, appreciated for how amazing she is the way that she she embodies coronation street just sally because she can do the comedy and she can do the absolute heart-rending tragedy with absolute equal commitments. And, and she, she's a fantastic actor. But any single person that you will ever speak to who's gone into the streets will say, oh, Sally, we're lovely. <laughs> she's absolutely beautiful human being. You know that, Lee. I mean, you could not meet a nicer no. No. nicer person I'm totally in and, love and, with and Sally. it's like and she's yeah yeah I am I totally am and it's like a and it's yeah. not just a niceness it's a kind of gentleness and compassion and yeah. thoughtfulness yeah. and a proper engagement and connection with other people I was astounded also by people like Bill um by Bill yeah. who was just again I thought oh Cory Legend he's gonna be you know knew everyone's names made the time yeah. to come over to I just and that's think, and that I've always said that the reason that Corrie is a friendly place to live is that top to bottom, the number one on that show, the person that you know who's been there the longest, still comes and introduces himself to everybody who's in that green room. If they're just in to play a copper or a nurse, hello, I'm yeah. Bill. What are you playing? Do you know where the tea and coffee is, gentlemen? The other person I mean, need to play the right message is Kath here. If you can hear this, oh babe, I'm obsessed with Julie. He's literally like. My official acting idol. I adore her. She's up there with Julie Walters. Please give her my love. 
Oh, there we go. Oh, I <laughs> love her. Well, I'm very, very proud of her for everything that she's doing. She's a plumbing inspirationist, Kath. It's she like... We've been working, obviously, really closely with her and the ceremony. If anyone still hasn't watched it, the ceremony that you can see online. But, yeah, she's um she's amazing. I mean, I think I, I always say Kath's one of those old old school stars that could do anything. Yes. She's like a variety star from years ago where... It's like, oh my god, you can also do that. Yeah, there's nothing she can't do. And then and she's also like she's also impossibly glamorous and well turned out all the time. While I'm dragging myself out, she's kind of oh, there, you know. It just gives me so much joy. I just think that that when a little boy is growing up, he'll just see all these pictures of her, you know, and just be like, Oh my god, my mom, she's like she's like she's like old Hollywood for me, you know, she's yeah, just so completely cute. And just and just fantastic at everything she turns around to. She, she really As you are, Julia. And thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank and, you too, um, Lee. And thank you so much. Loads of love. Take care, Lee. Thank you so much to Julie for being a guest on the podcast. What an actress and what a lady. Remember, there are two episodes every week this series of Soap from the Box. The other one is with Emmerdale and Shameless star Kelly Hollis. Also news for you, you can also hear my brand new show, The A to Z of Soap, on Great British Radio every Saturday at 3pm. You can also hear selected highlights of Soap from the Box throughout the week on Great British Radio. You can listen online, you can listen on your Alexa, you can get the app and you can find them on social media at UK. Thank you, as usual, to David Stevens and the Bothy for their edit and technical wizardry and to Ian McCallum for his press help. Have a great week. I hope it's sunny for you. See you next week. Bye. (laughs) 